While the rules for the first Democrat debates are now being made public, the 476 candidates have been divided into two separate debates by random lot, meaning frontrunners Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders will be in one debate, while eventual nominee Elizabeth Warren will be in the other. Since all the candidates agree that the long traditions of American success and freedom should now be ended in favor of the slow economic and cultural death of socialism, debaters plan to compete in other categories, such as trying to appear normal while violating every precept of decency and propriety, trying to appear fiery and passionate while being deeply corrupt and utterly cynical, and offering voters free stuff that would cost the combined gross national products of the U.S., Europe, and Asia to actually supply. Debaters will also compete to show just how committed they are to the strongly held beliefs of the Democrat base. So, for instance, the subject of abortion will be covered by a joint ceremony in which one candidate sacrifices a six-month-old child while the other candidates gather around in black robes, chanting the Latin mass backwards. In the event the abortion ceremony actually conjures a demon out of hell, he will immediately be declared the new front-runner. Since the candidates have refused to be questioned by any reporter who might embarrass or even disagree with them, there are also rules defining what questions the moderators will not be allowed to ask. Among the banned questions are, do you have any plans to clean up the cities that Democrat policies have transformed into hellholes, or do you plan to turn the entire country into one big hellhole so no one will notice the cities? How long do we have to pretend to believe your nonsense in order to feel good about ourselves? And instead of electing a Democrat government, wouldn't it be easier if we all just moved to Venezuela? Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh. So yesterday, I finally gave up on my church for good. Some of you may recall that I stopped attending for a while because I couldn't stand the left-wing sermons, but then I went back and started to ignore the sermons and focus on the old-fashioned Anglo-Catholic liturgy, which I liked. Also, the place is five minutes away from me, and in L.A., L.A. traffic being what it is, if the nearest place of worship was a radical Islamic mosque, I'd consider becoming a jihadi just for the shorter drive. But my church finally crossed the line of no return by decking the place out with rainbow flags for Pride Month. Now, you may think it's strange I find this offensive. I've always believed, really since childhood, that gay people are a quirky but natural little piece of God's creation and deserve equal rights and respect. The church is in Hollywood and has plenty of lovely gay people in attendance, and that doesn't bother me one bit. In fact, I can't remember ever giving it a thought. All are welcome at God's table, just like when he walked among us. But the church is not there to celebrate your sexuality. It's not there to affirm the wonder of you. It's there to preach Christ crucified, which includes an understanding of original sin. A good subtitle for the church might be, Crucifiers Are Us, or more succinctly, You Suck. The church is there to help you understand your inherent sinfulness and the amazing grace of your salvation. It stands not with the world and the latest woke opinions, but against the world and above the world. And it includes people who disagree with you on your most dearly held beliefs, left and right. In all honesty, I don't even like seeing an American flag in a church because God comes before country, and if ever America becomes the kind of country that oppresses religious people, and it might, I'm clinging to the cross, not hugging the flag. But right now, I can accept an American flag or a state flag in church as a nod to the earthly authorities whom God has appointed to protect the right to worship. But what does the rainbow mean? It does not just mean everyone's included. It means all behaviors are accepted and none is criticized. It means if you don't approve of certain behaviors, shut up. 
It means if you view the two genders as a gift from God, shut up. It means our political view of the world is operative here, not yours. The rainbow has become a sign of woke oppression. You remember the story of Noah's Ark. God destroyed the world by flood, then put a rainbow in the sky to show he would never do that again. Not many people know this, but the rainbow was supposed to signify God's war bow. It was a sign that God has hung his war bow up and wouldn't unleash his arrows of destruction on mankind again. The left has decided that it can do what God will not. It can take that bow down to make war on natural man and natural law, especially that central fact about humanity, the male-female yin-yang divide. The left rainbow is the war bow bent on the abolition of man. And that's what we'll be talking about in a sec. But first, let's talk about NetSuite. As I've told you before, when you look at me, you're not just looking at a gorgeous specimen of humanity. You're also looking at a business. I'm a business. I am an independent contractor with The Daily Wire. I write novels. I write all kinds of different things. And I am a business. And if you're a business, you've got to know your numbers. You've got to know what's going on. And the problem that a growing business has that keeps them from knowing their numbers is there's such a hodgepodge of business systems. There's one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory. It's a big, inefficient mess. That's why there's NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Clavin. That's netsuite.com slash Clavin to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. netsuite.com slash Clavin. And of course, the first thing you want to know if starting a business, how do I spell Clavin to get all this great stuff? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So do you remember Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3, I think, is one of the best movies of the last 30 years. It really is a terrific film. Uh, I commented on how, I think in the LA Times, I wrote a piece about how conservative uh, it was, and the, the director wrote me an angry letter saying, keep your politics out of my movie. But it's so obvious. It is such an obvious free enterprise um, unwoke uh, freedom story. Uh, you m- remember the toys have been, their their owner, Andy, has gone to college and they feel deserted and they feel abandoned and he gives them away. And so they are sent to this place. I think it's called Sunnyside. Is that what it is? Um, I, th- I think it's called the Sunnyside Daycare. Sunnyside Daycare, where the daycare uh, kids can come and play with the toys. And this uh, grandfatherly bear comes out and says, it's great because nobody owns you here. There's no ownership. And there's a rainbow on the wall. And one of the dumber toys says, oh, look, there's a rainbow. Everything must be great here. And that's the way you're supposed to feel about the rainbow. It's supposed to be about inclusion. But the thing about inclusion is if inclusion is your only value, if the only value is that everyone should be included, and I'm in favor of inclusion. I think if you know you include people, but you include them under the aegis of an idea, and that idea is not inclusion, it's not just inclusion, it's freedom. The idea is freedom, liberty, to make choices, to seek virtue, uh, to seek happiness, which comes through virtue. So if the only value is inclusion, then the only bad thing is criticizing people, is saying something is wrong, saying you do something wrong, or I don't like this, or this, you know, I don't like you, I don't like who you are, whatever, whatever it is you want to say. But those are the things that define us. And if you have a world that is free of values, right, then you have, uh, if you have a world where values are 
illegal, then you're illegal. People are illegal because people are defined by their values and by their ideas and by the things they think about the world and how the world is guided. You know, it's, it's funny. I was just talking about this uh, the other day in that in the movie business, I was asked a lot of times to write ghost stories and to write scary stories. And I always used to judge a story by whether or not you were rooting for the girl to get away from the guy with the knife or whether you were rooting for the guy with the knife because you thought it would be exciting to watch a girl get butchered. And I never wanted to write those stories because I thought they were wrong. I thought they were immoral. It's an immoral story and it's a false story. It's not uh, in keeping with the true moral universe as that moral universe stands, whether you like it or not. Even if everybody agrees that it's fun to watch a girl get butchered, it's wrong. And so I, I didn't, those are the stories I didn't want to write. Now, you know, we, we were talking about censorship uh, on the backstage with Dave Rubin. And I was saying during the backstage what a joy it is to me to disagree with people and argue with people of goodwill and smoke and drink while you do it and then maybe change your mind or maybe change their mind or what, however it turns out or at least have something new to think about. That's one of the great joys of life. And when we were talking about all the censorship that's going on, all the knocking people off uh, Twitter and social media and calling people hateful and defining any idea that disagrees with the left as hateful and then saying, well, hate speech needs to be banned. So therefore, any idea that disagrees with the left needs to be banned. And I said to Dave after the show, I said, what, what world exactly do they want? What, is the, what does the, that world look like uh, to them? You know, when, what, do, what do they say? What do they think is going to happen? When they've, when they've won. Because I know what the world I want looks like. It looks like a world of communities, communities with different values, some communities I might not want to live in because I don't like their values, uh, people with different values, some people I might not want to know because I don't like their values, uh, or some people I know even though I don't like their values. Whatever it is, it's a world of freedom. It's a world of individuality. It is a world of, of true difference because really, you're not that different from me if your skin happens to be brown or yellow. It doesn't really make you any different from me. What makes you different from me are the things that you hold dear and the things that you believe. And so that's the world I want, a world of difference. But I, I, I was saying to Dave, like, ultimately, this world in which everybody who disagrees with me is hateful is a world of eternal oppression. We've seen this before. We saw the Taliban, you know, they come in and they take over a place and they say, we need to, we need to run Afghanistan. But then once they run Afghanistan, it's just endless death. It's just endless killing. Why? Because there's only one right thing. There's not a, 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 a broad array of ideas, a broad array of ways to worship, even if some of them are wrong, even if some of them are mistaken. There's not like a, a kind of, uh, the, the whole, uh, panoply of, of creation that God has made. I've always thought, thought God is a lot more creative than we want him to be. You know, we want him to say, well, don't make that, don't make this, but God is a lot, having a lot more fun than we are, I think. And, and I thought, well, what, what does that world look like? And here's a, I'm going to give you a picture of what it looks like in just a second. First, I want to talk about, uh, I think this is a new sponsor. I'm not sure we've had this sponsor before. I love it though, DoorDash. I mean, I talk all the time about the traffic in LA. And sometimes if I come home, especially if my wife, in my case, if my wife isn't there, if my wife isn't there long enough, I'll just starve to death. But with DoorDash, you get connected to all your favorite restaurants in your city, not just LA, it's anywhere you need it. Ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat and your Dasher will bring it right to you wherever you are. Not only is that burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are there too and will come directly to your door. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door -door delivery in over 
3,300 cities. That's 3,300 cities in all 50 states across the United States and in Canada. Order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite chains like Chipotle. I can never pronounce this. Chipotle. How do you pronounce this? Chipotle? Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And right now, our listeners can get five bucks off their first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Claven. That's five bucks off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code Claven. Again, that's promo code Claven for five bucks off your first order from DoorDash. Will no one tell me how to pronounce Chipotle? Is it Chipotle? I'm not getting anything. These guys are asleep in the bay. Chipotle. Chipotle? Is, is that right? <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, I, I've eaten there, and actually the food is actually pretty good. Uh, but anyway, I think these are the things I want to know. All right. So what does the world look like when we're so woke and so accepting that to disagree is a thought crime? College Fix, a great website which goes around collecting uh, some of the injustices that are committed in college campuses on the grounds of diversity, on the grounds of wokeness, on the grounds of loving acceptance of all people, which is another word for intolerance. They have a a picture from Scotland, a teacher in Scotland who is the most... you know, white male, white male you can imagine, right? He just looks like the kind of average uh, old-fashioned guy. Uh, He put online about all the wonderful different genders there are, and a kid who seems to be an American kid by the sound of his accent comes in and says, no, there are only two genders, and the guy throws him out of class. But listen to what he says. There are more than one gender in this country. That's your opinion. That is my opinion, and that is an opinion which is acceptable in the school. I'm afraid yours which you're saying that there's no such thing as anyone other than male or female. Is Scientifically, there are just two genders, depending on what I get, I get gender that. You, you are choosing to make an issue of this, because I said, are you really going to do it? That was your opportunity to, 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 to keep quiet. You made the issue with it on the website. You said, oh, this website doesn't have more than two Murray, genders. you were clearly given an opportunity not to pursue it. You chose to do so. Yeah, because I think it's You silly. chose to do so. Yes, that's the key question. You chose to do so. I think it's silly to have anything other than two genders. So. That, okay. Anything could you please, else is could a you please keep that opinion to your own house? Thank you. Not in the So school. you get to put your opinion out in class and my no, opinion I, has I to, am not my putting opinion my, has to stay I inside my house. I am not putting my opinion. I am not putting my opinion out. I am stating what is national school authority policy. Okay? Well, it's not scientific whatsoever. Not every policy is scientific. It's, is that brilliant or what? First of all, he, I gave you an opportunity to be silent. I gave, I gave you a chance to shut up. What's wrong with you? I gave you a chance to shut up and not express your opinion. But it's not, he says, I'm not expressing my opinion. This is national authority. And the kid says, well, saying there's more than two genders is not scientific. And he says, well, it doesn't have to be scientific. Two plus two equals what the party says it will equal. And just to show, I mean, look, this is happening in the UK, but we all know this stuff can come here. And we all know also that the left's uh, yearning, leaning, is toward European-style socialist authority. Just to, to let you know what's happening there, here's from the New York Times, a former newspaper. Gender stereotypes are banned in British advertising. Men unable to change diapers. Women cleaning while men kick their feet up on the couch. Women having trouble with parking. 
Reality, in other words, scenes like these, which play on gender stereotypes, are now banned in British advertisements. Britain's advertising regulator announced the changes in December, but companies were given a six-month agenda, uh, uh, six-month adjustment period before they took effect. They were given an opportunity to stay quiet. The UK's Advertising Standards Authority said in a statement that it will also ban ads that connect physical features with success in the romantic or social spheres, banning reality. Assign stereotypical personality traits to boys and girls, such as bravery for boys and tenderness for girls. God forbid there should be any tender girls or brave boys. Suggest that new mothers should prioritize their looks or home cleanliness over their emotional health and mock men for being bad at stereotypically feminine tasks, such as vacuuming, washing clothes, or parenting. You know, I I had a pal who was a a comedy writer uh, who was far left, way to the left, and he once said to me, men trying to change diapers is funny. Women changing diapers, not funny. It's just funny. You know, that's why three men and a baby, three men and a baby, the title is funny. You know, you don't have to say anything more. You get it. Why? All of evolution is made to build women to nurture children. That is what they are built for. I'm not saying it's what they have to do. They're free agents. They're free, moral, spiritual people who can choose not to do it. But they are built for it. Men are not. The guidelines were developed after a report from the regulator found that gender stereotypical imagery and rhetoric can lead to unequal gender outcomes in public and private aspects or people's lives. So I I just want to note also that one of the things that I harp on all the time is the administrative state and how the power has been given by Congress. Congress has given away its power, which is unconstitutional in and of itself, by the way. Congress does not have the right to delegate its power according to the Constitution. It is it, Its power is delegated by us to Congress. They don't have the right to redelegate it to these authorities, but that's what they've done. They now have a system by which Congress says, uh, clean up the air, ma- magically make the air cleared. And then the EPA says, well, that gives us the right to come into your home and tell you not to smoke. That gives us the right to do this and that, you know, to, uh, to have power over you, to pass laws, and then try you if you violate those laws. And then the place that you have to appeal to is us. They become judge, jury, executioner. It is a complete destruction of the separation of powers, a complete destruction of gel- delegated authority. That's what's happening. That, the people who banned this uh, in Britain, they're not parliament. Parliament didn't pass a law saying it. Parliament delegated their authority. Now, there you have a different form of government, but still, we are moving there. We have moved there here. We have gutted the Constitution to that degree. So, what, you know, what is going on? This is, the, when I said the abolition of man, this is from a C.S. Lewis uh, essay. And if you've never read C.S. Lewis's The Abolition of Man, it's very short. I, I, I don't know, 50 pages maybe. Uh, it is worth reading. I remember reading it in a hotel room and shouting, this is amazing, so loudly. I thought the police were going <laughs> to kick down the door to find out what I was up to. And he, Lewis, in this uh, essay, Lewis starts out by saying that they are trying to get rid of values, values which he calls the Tao, after the uh, word for the way, like the Tao Te Ching is the way. You know, he says that they are trying to ban natural law, our natural sense of something, so that when a human being looks at a waterfall and says, you know, it, this is awe-inspiring, that's, that's not an opinion. It is, in fact, magnificent. A waterfall is, in fact, magnificent. So he's, he is separating those subjective experiences, which are, in fact, individualistic, like you like chocolate ice cream and I like vanilla, from those things that are actually natural to man, which he calls the Tao. And he says the Tao for for Lewis was proof that God exists, but he didn't argue from a point of view of God. He argued from observation. So when you ban 
the Tao for what he called scientific ideas, psychological ideas, which he saw coming all these years ago. He saw this coming. He said, how does it end up? He said, it ends up with man conquering nature, ultimately conquering human nature. And he doesn't say, oh, this is a terrible thing. He just says, this is what's going to happen. And listen to how he describes it. This is from C.S. Lewis, The Abolition of Man. He said, for the power of man to make himself what he pleases means, as we have seen, the power of some men to make other men what they please. In all ages, no doubt, nurture and instruction have in some sense attempted to exercise this power, but the situation to which we must look forward will be novel in two respects. In the first place, the power will be enormously increased. Hitherto, the plans of educationalists have achieved very little of what they attempted. And indeed, when we read them, how Plato would have educated people, he says, when we may well thank the beneficent obstinacy of real mothers real nurses, and above all, real children for preserving the human race in such sanity as it still possesses. In other words, the authorities, like Plato, want to educate people into being good, but moms and dads and children go their own way. And that's a good thing because it keeps man alive. C.S. Lewis says, but the man molders of the new age will be armed with the powers of an omnicompetent state and an irresistible scientific technique. We shall get at last a race of conditioners who really can cut out all posterity in what shape they please. And that is what we're looking at. That's why I was recommending the other day a Brave New World. This is why the Catholic Church has come out against gender switching. They, they put out uh, teaching guidelines uh, that said that cur- the current theories about gender move away from nature. Uh, the thing is called, I think it's called male and female he made the male and female, I think. He says, the church says, uh, we are moving towards an absolute option for the decision of the feelings of the human subject. Uh, movable sexual identities are often founded on nothing more than a confused concept of freedom in the realm of feeling and wants. And the fact that we know this is true, we know the Pope is right about this. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, who you may have remembered was a long time ago, was a uh, presidential candidate and now is just a former something or other, but he he issued his plan on LGBT issues, right? Including forcing schools to include male athletes who identify as transgender girls on female sports teams. And you and I would say, well, that eliminates girls' sports. Men are better at all sports. They are better at every sport. Every sport that is played, and by a sport, I mean something where points decide uh, the outcome, not something where judges decide it. Women are better probably at uh, figure skating. <coughs> but, but men are better at all sports because they're bigger, they're faster, they're more agile, all those things. They're better. However, that doesn't mean that female sports, for instance, tennis, don't have a personality of their own, which is really fascinating. I like women's tennis, uh, not just for the pretty girls. I like it because it's slower and you can pay attention to it uh, more and there's a lot more strategy. But, but what you are doing is you are abolishing women's sports. If you allow men to declare themselves women and and play women's sports, all those girls who work so hard to be good at sports, they are essentially eliminated. This the abolition of man is also an abolition of woman. It's an abolition of gays because gays define themselves as people who like the same sex. But if the same sex doesn't exist, uh, then there are no such things as gays. When you eliminate man, you eliminate everything except the authority, except the authority to determine what man should be. That is the only thing that's left. That is why the rainbow flag is not about inclusion. It is about oppression and has nowhere, in a no place in a church which is about freedom. Gay people, yes, of course they belong in church. 
church. They should never be expelled. All people should be welcomed at God's table, no matter what you think. I mean, no matter what you think about homosexuality, they should be allowed at God's table. But the rainbow flag, never. It is a sign of oppression. It is a sign of the abolition of man. Listen, you know, this is the wonderful thing, that we now have these comedians who come on and tell us how to live, who tell us what, instead of making jokes, instead of making fun of these things, uh, they, they basically are telling us how to live. Here's Trevor Noah reacting to the Catholic uh, teaching guide. Church has released a statement condemning transgender people, saying that it's unnatural, which is disappointing, but it's not surprising. <laughs> I mean, we all know the church thinks if you're born a girl, you're a girl forever. And if you're born a boy, they're gonna try and f you. <laughs> and let's be clear, let's be clear on this. Gender change is not a trend, all right? It's been around for thousands of years. But if it was, why does the church care about it so much? How come the church isn't warning us about other trends? You never hear the Pope saying, it is against God's will to wear supreme. There's only one hype beast and his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, and get this, get, get this. Part of the Vatican's rationale is that transgender people go against its belief that God made men and women to reproduce. Which, first of all, transgender people can reproduce. And secondly, again, why do you care, right? You don't even let your people reproduce, right? Nuns aren't allowed to have sex, right? Priests can't get little boys pregnant, yeah. Yeah, that's right, two pedophilia jokes, yeah, yeah. I got away with it the first time, of course I was gonna go back for more, which is the same thing the priest said about touching little boys. Oh, three pedophilia jokes, oh! I would've been fine if they had been funny pedophilia jokes. Uh, you know, I'm gonna get back to this in just a sec. Um, but first, let us talk about Rock Auto. You know, you know why people go to automobile parts stores? They go to automobile parts stores so the guy behind the counter, the girl behind the counter, can say, "Yes, you do need a new new spark plugs." But the guy or girl behind the counter doesn't know really any more than you do, so you don't have to go through all those uh, that that experience when you can get your parts on your computer instead of going to a store and paying more for them to get the parts on a computer. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, whatever those are, and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. The prices are the same. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You get amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Claven in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, sure, I know what a control module is, but how, oh, how do you spell Claven? There are no E's in Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. I just make it look easy. You know, Bill Maher, who I, I always say, I disagree with most of what Mar thinks, but I really respect him because he does have free speech on his show. He invites people on, he disagrees with, he doesn't demonize people, and he almost gets it. I want to play cut eight. This is not that cut, it's cut eight from Bill Maher uh, talking about basically political correctness and woke oppression. I certainly caucus with the Democrats and 
as long as Donald Trump is president, I am down the line Democrat. But you go uh, after them. But I, I think exactly that your I go after them right. because they need going after. They need some tough love, and I'm not going to stop. But yes, their stuff is raggedy too. They have some things they have to answer for, and they don't help themselves mm. a lot. And I think a lot of this um, far left political correctness is a cancer on progressivism. I think when you when you talk to to Trump supporters. They are not blind to his myriad flaws, but one thing they always say is he's not politically correct. I don't think you can uh, overestimate how much people have been choking on political correctness and hate it. There were two studies about this recently. It was in the New York Times front page story a few months ago. It was also in The Atlantic about a year ago. The vast majority of liberals in this country hate it. They, they think political correctness has gone way too far. No one likes to be living on eggshells. But Maher doesn't under, he's obviously absolutely right about that, but what he doesn't understand is that progressivism and political correctness cannot exist without one another. You don't hear conservatives being politically correct. You don't hear us talking about what you can't say and what you can't do and, oh, you said this 10 years ago and therefore you should lose your job. We don't do it or when we do do it, we're imitating the left, which we shouldn't do. But, but what he doesn't understand is it's all one thing. When you abolish man, you don't abolish man. You abolish everything but his one instinct, one instinct, his instinct to oppress. That's all that's left when you get rid of natural law, when you get rid of the Tao, when you get rid of humankind. You know, backstage live tickets, we're going to have backstage live. If you've ever thought to yourself, wow, I could be breathing that awful cigar smoke. I could see Clavin drinking heavily and, you know, until finally he's not making any sense whatsoever. You know, if you ever wanted to be there, you can be there. Backstage live tickets will be on sale tomorrow, June 18th to the 20th for subscribers only. We'll be live at the Terrace Theater in Long Beach, California on August 21st. So get your tickets on tomorrow they're on sale for subscribers only from the 18th to the 20th. So you can be first in line for the Terrace Theater in Long Beach, uh, California on August 21st. You can be there. All right. We have Michael Knowles. Who? Oh, yeah. I remember Michael Knowles. The, the uh, future former uh, press secretary, Michael Knowles, will be with us in just a sec. But first, I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to dailywire.com and subscribe. And then you can get tickets to Backstage Live. Also, be in the mailbag. Also, listen to all the shows right there. It's only 10 bucks a month, 100 bucks for the year. And for the 100 bucks, you get this, the Leftist Tears Tumblr. I know you know you want it. You know you want the Leftist Tears Tumblr. Come over and subscribe. So there is this show on Netflix. I talked about this a little bit before, but it really is worth going uh, back to because it's pure leftist propaganda. And it's so bad, I made Knowles watch it. It's called When They See Us. Is that, is that the right title? When They See Us. Um, here is, here's a brief clip from the Netflix show. This is about an incident that happened when I lived in New York the first time. A girl attacked, raped, beaten within an inch of her life as a mob moved through Central Park in Manhattan, uh, beating up people and attacking them. Is my mom here? It's just us. You and us. Who you were in the park with? I don't know names. I just got lost. Where did you see the lady? One, one lady. The female jogger was severely beaten and raped. Every black male who was in the park last night is a suspect. I need all of them. What's going on with my son? Your son was involved in rape. 
in Central Park. What? No, no, it's, no, wait a minute. No, wait a second. Wait a second. They saw you rape the lady. I didn't see a lady or hit anyone. I didn't see any lady. Kevin. I didn't see any lady. I want to see my son right now. Right now. Whatever they said, I did. I didn't. Nothing these boys state matches the central facts of the crime. All we need is for one to tie this whole thing together. These tapes are not as clean as the state would have you believe. There is injustice happening here. There is not one shred of evidence. Imagine the frenzy of these teenagers. Ripping off her they are innocent of these crimes. They are guilty. doing us like this what other way they ever do us that that's uh, utter garbage and speaking of utter garbage but <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an intro yeah, you, where else do you get treated like that <laughs> no you're the you're the future uh, former uh, I know, press secretary you better start being nice to me i mean i'm the you actually you, know, you said a very nice thing it, on twitter it is actually true we were making jokes i think it was ben shapiro was making yeah. jokes about you replacing sarah sanders mm -hmm. and you'd be great so you're, you're fearless, you're great under pressure, and you don't, won't, don't take crap from the press. And, and yeah. I actually think, you know, I mean, you've gone on these college speaking tours. Yeah. I've, I've been around these hordes of shrieking leftist <laughs> children, idiot children yeah, yeah. which will completely prepare me <laughs> for Jim Acosta. I mean, there's the hell get the first question. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually serious. I mean, they ha I think they're going to use Melania's uh, press secretary. That's some of the, that's but, some of what the rumor but is. But you would bring a needed, uh, added dose of kafifi. You think, know, if the, I were called on to serve my country, certainly I would accept the call. I would, I would love it. I yeah. do think actually at this moment, yeah. I mean, whether it's me or somebody else, yeah. I do think there is some advantage to having a conservative uh, speaker, a conservative yeah. voice in the culture to deal with these people. Yep. I mean, it's happened before they've used Fox News hosts as press secretaries. Uh, I think it's a very Trumpy idea. I think if it's not me, maybe it'll be Sean Hannity or somebody. But it would, <laughs> that would be, be really uh, it funny. Would be yeah. tremendous. Yeah. 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 No, you'd be better than Hannity, though. You have you have you have the style to do it. Anyway, so, just in case you're listening, Mr. President, <laughs> you heard what he this, just said. This is where he comes for his his policy. Um, did you watch this or something? I did. I did watch it because you made me watch it, so I watched <laughs> so, it. So New York in the 70s was basically the South in the 20s. Is that what they're <laughs> telling right. us? Yeah, yeah. Everything about this is so dishonest and uh, from the very beginning. So yeah. just the very beginning of it, for those who don't know, the Central Park Five has become this byword for right. injustice and oppression and racism. What happened in the Central Park Five? On the night of April 19th, 1989, a 28-year-old white investment banker woman named Trisha Maley went jogging in on the north side of Central Park, up by about 110th Street. What year is this? This is 1989. Okay, so 89, so, so okay. 89, yeah. this is it's almost as bad as it gets. Right. I mean, the, the peak of, uh, of crime was right. the early 90s. Right, this is the second time I went back, yeah. That's right, and, and so, it, it, First of all, the question is, what on earth is a 28-year-old white woman who works on Wall Street yeah. doing jogging? I mean, you if you so much as step foot in Central Park it was after dark, yeah. it was very dangerous. Yeah. So she's jogging there, and guess what happened? There was a group of about 30 young kids from the neighborhood who went out and were terrorizing people. This was somewhere between organized crime and a riot. Right. Kids went in there with lead pipes beating people unconscious, knocking people off their bikes, robbing people. I mean, this was widespread crime going on. Right. And in the midst of this, this woman is assaulted, beaten, and raped 
Almost killed. Almost yeah. killed. She was in a coma for 12 days. <laughs> right. When they found this woman, she was nearly dead. And so you had the, you had these groups of teens hurling rocks at people. They left one pedestrian unconscious. There was one teacher, John Laughlin, 40-year-old school teacher. He was severely beaten, kicked, hit in the back of the head, and knocked unconscious with a pipe <laughs> by some of these kids. Right. And so... They're trying to figure out what happens, and they they arrest some of these kids who were at the uh, at this riot. Now they charge five of them with acting in concert for right. the rape, not for the act itself, not for the act of rape itself, but acting in concert. Right. And and the kids had confessed to it. They yep. admitted that they did it. They talked about how they groped the woman's body. And they talked to friends about it too. Didn't they, they talked to friends yeah. about it. So it wasn't just to the cops. Yeah. They, and there was actually there's one woman who testified at the trial, and she testified in 2002 when this case was reopened. And she testified that Corey Wise, one of the kids, who was the oldest kid, he was 16, called her brother and told her that he held the do- jogger down and felt her breasts while the others attacked her. There were blood stains and dirt on the clothing of the five. There there were semen stains right. on the clothing because of the Because some five. of them said they simulated sex they with They simulated her without sex taking with it. this woman yeah. who had been raped. Right. So in the midst of all of this, they are charged, they're convicted, they go to jail. Some of them, uh, uh, four of the kids only served six, six to seven years. One of them, the older one, Corey Wise, got 13 years. And the, the other kids were in juvie. The older one got 13 years in adult prison. Then in 2002, some guy comes forward, Matthias Reyes. He's a convicted murderer, serial rapist. He said he's the one who raped the woman. Okay. And they, so, and they confirmed that with DNA. And they confirmed that with yeah. DNA. So all of the kids are exonerated, right? But why? They were never accused. They were not convicted. They were of that. not. That's right. They were yeah. not convicted of the act of rape itself. They were convicted in the rape, right? And in the assault. Yeah. The kids were viciously beating people, knocking people unconscious, and admitting to groping this woman who was knocked unconscious and had her skull fractured. This is the great exoneration. Now, why is this being brought up now? Well, that's that's a great question. But just to add to it, they, they won a, a multi-million, multi-ten million dollar settlement. Right? Uh, I mean, the, yeah, more than that. Yeah. So in 2002, they find out this guy committed the rape. So the the kids' charges, the kids, now they're adults, yeah. charges are vacated, which is absurd. We know that they committed the other, at least the other crimes, <laughs> right? Right, right. Uh, they sue the city for malicious prosecution. No evidence of malicious prosecution. Right. Mike Bloomberg, who is a Democrat, he's a left winger. Bloomberg refuses to settle because he knows the city is going to win in court. Right. But then Bolshevik Mayor Bill de Blasio comes in after Bloomberg. That's what it is. He settles, okay. not $10 million, yeah. $41 million. $40 million yeah. And then the kids sue again. They sue the state for over $50 million. They don't get that. They okay. settle for much lower. But $41 million bucks because when they were teenagers, they went out and started beating pedestrians unconscious and groping a, a raped, assaulted woman. And they so, get $40 million. And so now we see this thing, and Linda Fairstein, who's the DA, is made into the villain, mm-hmm. which she obviously was not. I mean, it's right. like, it's not, you know, she was a very fair DA. She was a tough DA, but she was a fair DA. Mm-hmm. Why, why are they making this now? From the very first yeah. moments, there are these kids, they're just in the pizza pizza parlor with with their girlfriend, just yeah. having a nice time. And then some kids from the street, they say, hey, we're all going to go to the park. I kid you not. They say, <laughs> come on to the park. We're going to go to the park. And they're all playing around in the park. And, you know, they're kind of hassling some bi- bicyclists, but it's all innocent kid stuff. And then they just happen to see another group of people attacking the woman who'd been raped. And they get so scared and they run away and they go. And then, and Linda, Linda, the prosecutor, 
is she's a bigot out for blood and she ignores all the evidence. As, as she, if a bigot out for blood could get, become the DA in New York. In New York, yeah. of course. <laughs> it's absurd. And I, so, I mean, very little is honest in the portrayal. Yeah. Very little is factual in the right. portrayal of this. But why is it coming up? It's because during this whole case, President Trump, as he is wont to do, takes out a full page ad in the New York Daily News. And it says, bring back the death penalty, bring back our police. He says, we got to get tough on crime. We can't have people being nearly murdered for going on a jog in Central Park. Completely right, by the way. His, yeah. his point yeah, of is course, completely of course. right. I mean, oh, it was, just, it was just terrifying time. Yeah. But because of this, this is why they're making this show. So in the show, you hear this poor mother saying, the devil's trying to kill my kid. The devil, the, who's the devil? The yeah. devil's Donald Trump. My perfectly innocent kid, he didn't do anything wrong. How did, no, he was walking into the park with a lead pipe. <laughs> they, it, it, this is all about going and getting Trump. And as always with the left, if you just knew the narrative, if you just knew the miniseries, yeah. Not only is this because they know that's all anybody will that's ever all see. Anybody yeah. know? Because who, who wrote it? Didn't somebody write about this in City Journal? Yes, yeah. there was this piece at City Journal that came out. Who wrote it? It was a. I have it pulled up right here. Seth Seth Baron. Seth Baron. That's right. That's about right. how. So the title of the yeah. piece is "Is Trump the Real Target of a Netflix Series?" And it, I actually didn't. When I saw the piece, yeah. I, I said, "Of course." <laughs> I mean, when I, it didn't yeah. even occur to yeah. me that people wouldn't know that. Uh, when I saw this in my Netflix queue, I thought, "Oh, they only made this because Donald Trump is president." But how many? First of all, I'm a New Yorker. How many people remember what the Central Park Five was? Yeah. How many people, especially millennials, remember that? How many people? know of President Trump's involvement. How many people are going to put those two and two together that there was a Hollywood development meeting where people sat around a table and like, said, Trump was elected. I guess we got to smear like him. It's that Black Klan, Spike Lee movie. It's yeah. all about Donald Trump. Like like Donald Trump was uh, the Klan. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's insane. It's, it's amazing. It, and so the, They're so good at this and we are so bad at it. And what's so awful about it is, I mean, of course, this happens all the time. This happens yeah. with the Oliver Stone movie, JFK. It happens with the new movie about Dick Cheney. It's happening yeah. here is it's not just that they're smearing politicians. It's not just that they're smearing our guys. Yeah. It's that people will draw exactly the wrong conclusions from this. New York in the late 80s was hell on earth. You remember you were there. I, I was there. I was yeah. but a glint in my father's <laughs> eye at the time. I used to run, a, I had a job where I had to get to work at three in the morning. I was a radio news writer. I used to come out of my apartment and take off, no, no kidding, take off and run until I got to where the prostitutes stood outside the Korean uh, grocery, and then I'd hail a cab. And the girls would say, so long, you know, have a great day, honey. You know, and seriously, that, because I thought that nobody's gonna mug me if I'm standing in a crowd right. in front of this open store. I was the only person, the only person in the newsroom who didn't get mugged. Wow. Yeah, See, the only person. Yeah. The, so if Trump is an example of this saying we need to get tough on crime, takes out an ad in New York Daily News, yeah. he's right. And then guess what happened in the 1990s? You had Rudy Giuliani come in. New York did get they, tough on crime, and now it's Disneyland. And they called him. They called him a racist every single day. That's what right. Are you, what are you talking about in the show? We're going to be talking about the injustice at Harvard, rescinding the admittance of Kyle it's, Cash. It is, it's, part, it's, it's just part. I was almost going to mention it today. It's part of this like woke oppression. It's it's yeah. really awful. And so I, I sure hope the dean of undergraduate admissions there has never said anything wrong in his past. In I his sure life hope no one or, digs or, that uh, up. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so we're going to be talking about that. Right. Also, the other yeah. thing I want to talk about on the show. Well, one I want to talk about the flag burning because yeah. I think a lot of conservatives 
are getting it wrong. Maybe you and I disagree a little yeah, on probably, this. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> yeah. it. And then Pete Buttigieg being, uh, playing the gay card absolutely perfectly. Just brilliant. Yeah. We'll get to all of it. All right. Good enough. <laughs> uh, final reflection. I just want to talk about this show that uh, has come on called Euphoria, uh, which stars Zendaya, and it's about sex and drugs among teenagers. And I, I've watched the first episode, and I'm not going to comment on the quality of the show yet. I'm, I want to see where it goes and what it's up to. Uh, it's obviously highly, highly sexualized. You know, on this this site that I love, the Newsbusters site, which I just think is a great, great site, and it's run by Brent Bazell and Tim Graham over there, and they, they are great. And they wrote a column, and the headline of the column, a lot of stuff in the column that I agreed with, but the headline of the column is uh, HBO drags Disney star Zendaya into the gutter. And I just want to point out uh, that Zendaya, uh, I, I noticed her, uh, I, I mentioned her on the show when I saw The Greatest Showman. She is an enormously beautiful, incredibly talented young woman, and that, sh- and that movie score that the critics hated was a huge hit. After that movie, Zendaya could have done anything she wanted. It's not HBO that dragged her into the gutter. This is something that she chose to do. And they say in their column uh, that she was desperately seeking to keep her career alive in the eyes of Hollywood casting agents. Well, you know, I I just don't think that that, the the reason I'm picking on this, and I'm obviously speaking about Bazell and Graham with great respect. I love their site and I love their work. Uh, But the reason I disagree with this and the reason I feel like conservatives don't understand Hollywood is that this is her decision that she and her handlers or agents and representatives made. And they made it because she wanted to do something deeper and richer and more serious. The question is why for an actress to do something more serious, does she have to do material like this? And the reason is, is because we are not doing serious material because she doesn't want to be in the kinds of shows that Christians make. Now I've, I'm, I've kind of backed off a little bit on attacking Christian movies. I understand. And I've always said this, I understand that they're good family fare and they're fun for Christians to watch and they confirm their point of view, but they're not deep and they're not rich. Why? It's not because they don't deal with people doing sinful things. It's that they don't deal with the joy of sin. They don't deal with how much fun it is and how lively and how vital it is to do these things and how teenagers, as they do in this uh, show Euphoria, uh, how they think it somehow uh, justifies them and vindicates their point of view and is the thing that's going on. Why is that true? How do we deal with that world from a moral point of view? I'm not saying Euphoria doesn't do that. Like I said, I haven't seen enough of it uh, to know. Some shows that are highly sexualized are also highly moral, so I'm not going to comment on that uh, yet. But the the only point I want to make is Zendaya chose to do this. HBO didn't drag her into this. She chose to do it because she thought this was where the depth was. This was her, her chance to move from being a child a person who only appeals to the G-rated audience, to someone who is respected, can win an Oscar, can win an Emmy. Why is that system in place? Those are the questions that conservatives should be asking, not blaming her. And certainly, I don't even think they should be blaming HBO. They should be saying, how do we support artists who will create art that will make Zendaya say, ah, now, uh, as a wholesome person, as a good person, I can expand as an actress and really explore the human condition and not sit around doing shows that just... uh, have that banal optimism. Uh, that's how Schopenhauer described Christianity as banal optimism. Uh, that's not the human condition. That's not art. It's not what actresses and actors and writers want to do. And I think that that's the things that we should be, instead of condemning uh, and attacking people who do stuff, we should be doing that stuff and making sure that stuff gets done. I got to stop there because you want the Noel show to come on and hear what he's going to talk about. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Oh, hooray, hoorah. 
The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angul. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. The bigots of the Harvard Admissions Committee, already under fire for race discrimination, have rescinded the acceptance of well-known conservative activist Kyle Kashev for totally bogus attacks. We will examine how conservatives can fight back. Then President Trump endorses a constitutional amendment to stop flag burning. We'll explain the case for that. And finally, Mayor Pete Buttigieg plays the gay card perfectly. Check it out at The Michael Knowles Show.